0: 60, Dear Dave, original air date, 1st of November, 2012. Hello and welcome to Scutacast number 60. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Ian. Hello. This week we'll be reviewing the episode Dear Dave after a quick synopsis read by Anthony.
1: Lister has woman trouble when he gets himself in a love triangle with snack dispensers 23 and 34. And then, to make matters worse, he gets a letter from an old girlfriend telling him that she's pregnant and that it might be his. Lister and Rimmer hunt through the mountain of letters from the mail pod to discover if Lister is finally a dad.
0: Just before we start the episode review, Anthony, you've got a few things to say.
1: Yeah, um as i've already stated on previous episodes um the original plan for the final two episodes of series 10 was to have a storyline involving the return of kachansky right um but this storyline was very much in need of location shoots which was a luxury that had been abandoned to pay for the live audience right okay um now this episode and the next one were the two episodes that uh, doug naylor had to write over the christmas period right okay um but at the time of filming, barely half of this episode was actually ready. In fact, Robert Llewellyn had tweeted on the Monday that he hadn't even seen a single page of the script yet. Oh, wow. Um I think it's the Ganymede and Titan set report says that in light of this tweet, uh, those that were present at the filming were surprised that there was very few mistakes made. The vending machine plot and the Rimmer plot line were both recorded at a later date um, during and after the pickup week. Right. And there was just too much left to shoot for the pickup week alone. Um, they considered shooting it all with two units simultaneously, but they ended up just taking an extra day or so um, after the pickup week instead to get it finished off. Okay. Um, but doing it this late on meant that they were unable to use the sets which were being dismantled. Right. And. Um, the making of documentary says that they actually recorded it all in a different studio altogether in front of a green screen and then they added the background afterwards. Right. And they actually demonstrate this in the documentary and it's an excellent little example of how this episode was done. And so basically, most of the vending machine scenes and all of the scenes that involve the Rimmer plot line, you know, the budget plot line, are all actually done before a green screen. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Also, because Dear Dave was missing uh, half of the live audience laughter track, it was shown to an audience during post-production a few weeks later to get a true non-canned laughter track uh, for the episode. Um, Now, the live audience on the night, they weren't swindled out of half an episode. Uh, They actually got to see a rough cut version of Trojan as well as a reshooting of a scene from Lemons, um, the scene where Lister's cooking, um,
2: cooking his dinner and Cat comes in and swipes it. Right, right, okay, right. So that puts the can laughter argument about bed then.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first scene starts and Lister is sat on the sofa and he, he's kind of all depressed and Crichton comes in and he doesn't help. He's basically saying, "Are oh, you all sad because you're the last human and, uh, and all the rest of it. Uh, basically, he's sat there and he's missing the human race. He's kind of flicking through a magazine and he's... I thought it was quite clever how it was treating the human race as like an X and, oh, look, there's a picture of them smiling and
1: there's a picture of them going to work. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this gag, it's a similar gag to um, the start of time slides. Yeah. Um, I think it's Rimmer that approaches um, Lister. You're depressed, aren't you? You know, when he's got the tension. She. Yeah, that's right. Um, but here, I don't know about you lot, but I think it was a bit overdone. It's not as subtle. Yes. And there's a hint of this series ten overacting going off. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bit of a common problem, does not it? That's what we seem to mention. This every episode now. But there seems to be a scene that seems to be overacted a little bit from each. Yeah,
1: almost series eight style. Uh, not, not every yeah. scene, but it's you know it's certainly present in some scenes.
2: Yeah, right. Does anyone have an idea of the guy on the front of the JMC Traveler magazine is? I have is it no is it idea. just a random person? I've, I've seen it everywhere for, him, but can't find anything. Maybe it's just a, a, a random who just popped who just left <laughs> on there, but. I don't know. I thought it may be like one of them hidden Easter eggs there, but don't think uh, it is.
0: I don't know. I know. didn't look into that too too deep, to be honest.
2: Yeah. Well, this is the this scene here was shown in the original Red Dwarf ten trailer, wasn't it? You know, the very first one that we got shown. Yeah. Then um, this was the start of the the Crichton's and those look stupid debate. Yeah. Um, I think the outer focus background really jarred me during the trailer. But like you say, Aunt, you know, this was filmed on green screen. This bit wasn't it? So, no, I don't.
1: I don't think this bit was. Not this this bit, bit is live audience. No, oh, so I think the I think the red cameras as a whole do give this mm-hmm. um, uh, almost out of focus background. I might be wrong on that, but I'm sure that this out, slightly out of focus background is just an effect of the um, red cameras that they use. Oh, right. Well,
2: I thought it really it really jarred me. You know, during the trailer, I thought, oh that doesn't look right that but I don't think you paid much attention
1: to it yeah mm. I tell you what jarred me in this scene it's that Sinead O'Connor exit that yeah. Lister gives <laughs> that
0: is really bad I mean I, I can't sing for Toffee but that was just so out I don't know if it was just meant to be so out of key or what but like
1: oh god <laughs> it's just the change of the word to them for yeah. <laughs> the human race nothing compares to them yeah <laughs> I mean technically it's a, it's a Prince song not Sinead O'Connor but for a flushy Boat yeah The next scene
0: starts, and Lister is talking to a vending machine, or, or Vendibar. And he, he's basically saying, life, what's it all about?
1: Yeah, well, this is the only guest star we've got for this uh, episode, uh, Isla Yo. Mm. Um she I think she did the voice for all the vending machines, but there's not a lot on the IMDB for her. Um, vending machine 34, the vending machine 22. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Um, the live audience, they... <sighs> they did get to hear a little of the vending machine voice as yeah. a pre-recorded track um, but with most of this storyline being added le- later I think most of it is actually recorded during the pickup week and I've heard that the voices were changed as well so
2: okay mm. yeah I got some sort of you know the the female comedian who plays Miranda
1: yeah I see yeah, you going
2: yeah. I really that's the first thing that popped into my head you know watching um, the second time around yeah, trying to do some review I really got this Miranda Silly, goofy woman vibe off here. <laughs> you mean and <Yeah>. it, <laughs> <fell,
1: when laughs> it fell over?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Now,
0: this kind of threw me slightly. Uh, apparently, the vending machine's stalking him. She was saying, oh, the things you do behind closed doors. <laughs> and I was thinking really
1: <laughs> <laughs> well there's, there's no hint whatsoever of lister actually flirting with the machine here is just generally chatting to the machine yeah and so uh, yeah i agree this machine is actually proper bunny boy liberty <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> absolutely fun. the next scene starts
0: and rimmer's uh, i thought this was cl- quite clever uh, rimmer is basically limbering up his finger fingers for a sabutio tournament and he's basically putting them through the marches and all the rest of it. Uh, and there were again there was a very good throwaway line here and he says, I don't want them to go out in the quarterfinals. Now, thinking about it, there's only four of them on there, so if he goes out in the quarterfinals, that means that he's only his first match. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think this is actually the first of the green screen shots. Right. Um, okay. Now, there's some say that you can tell, this is what we was on about a second ago, some say that you can tell because the background's not focused mm, properly. Yeah. But I, personally, I think the background looks like the rest of it anyway from this red camera effect. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know this uh, in previous episodes there was people complaining uh, from the promos and trailers at the time it aired about the green screen when there isn't actually any green screen being used.
2: Right. You mean, okay. you mean um, like I just did in the previous scene? Yeah, yeah, just like that. <laughs> yeah. You see, well, what see, I noticed is. I've done look- on purpose, so you know, to tire all in. <laughs> oh. well,
1: well, the thing I've noticed with the actual green screen shots is that they use less um, camera angles and uh, more fixed. Camera um, mm. shots as well. There's basically there's one fixed shot aimed at Crichton. There's one fixed shot aimed at Rimmer, and just a couple of close-ups of his fingers uh, doing his limbering, subute, you know, yeah, subwoofer yeah. warming up. Um, And basically most of the action is just cut in between these shots, whereas other non-green screen shots have a variety of angles throughout and you'll see it sort of pan in on the action and follow the movement. You know, as somebody comes into the drive room and sits down, you'll see the camera drop down slightly. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I I personally, I didn't really, I didn't notice it. Some did seem off, but it's not until I found out it was green screen that, um, that it really became noticeable. Mm. And yeah, even I guess, then I question how noticeable it is.
2: Yeah. Well, certainly during broadcast, I never noticed at all. To no, I never noticed until you mentioned it and you know, that one kind yes, of thing. So thanks past for me. spoiling that. Yeah, cheers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at this point you've got Crichton and he comes in with the e post from the GMC onboard computer, basically saying he's been recommended for the Golden Stripe and they've had this is big spiel, and he says that they've had so many recommendations that the only thing they can do is ask for him to stop sending them in. <laughs> yeah,
2: see, the, it seems like this really make me really, you know, make me wish they brought Holly back. Basically, yeah. you know, this whole JMC on-board computer it just come from nowhere in season ten, and it just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, agree. You know, Red Dwarf's always had a solid universe, the budget plotline that we see in the minute the onboard computer system just doesn't fit into it, if you ask
0: me. I agree, yeah. It feels like a bolt on something yeah, that they've it, maybe got up and running in the last 10 years or something. But Yeah, definitely. why would they take authority from a computer? Mm. It just feels a little bit weird.
2: Because you know, maybe Holly is some sort of extension from this onboard JMC computer. Yeah, we don't but, know. But... but it almost feels to me like a committee um, as yeah. opposed to a, a single
0: entity.
1: Yeah. Well, Some, it, does, it does refer to the message as being from them and they. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they've they requested that you stop writing in. And like you say, it's. Um, I could understand if the e-post was three million years old and it's a response from the past. Yes, yes. Right? But they make it current timeline by mentioning the fact that he's not reported to duty for three million years. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which means that this is a current message received from... Presumably, it's got to be the onboard JMC computer. Mm. But then for him to keep referring to them as uh, them and they, you know, it, it doesn't... Yeah. Like you say, it seems like he's talking to a committee or heads mm. of a department or something, and th- we know there isn't any.
0: Maybe there's like um, a Futurama-type um, spare head w- wardrobe. <laughs> 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 and there's just a full committee. Maybe it's a reveal in season 11. <laughs> there's the committee room. <laughs> I don't know. But basically, as you just mentioned, yeah, uh, they they say he hasn't reported for duty in the last three million years. And if he doesn't present a rebuttal within 24 hours, he's going to get demoted to a third technician.
1: I tell you what, three million years of bunking off and you just get demoted from second technician. (laughs) That's not bad, is it? (laughs) Any other job, you'd be sacked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So at this point, Rimmer orders Crichton to help him out. And Crichton suggests that if he gets a signal from the doctor for like post-traumatic stress from the entire crew being wiped out, then maybe he might get a sickie. But again, as you just mentioned, Anthony, a three million year sick note, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be worth its weight in gold, isn't it? Uh-huh.
1: Did anyone think we was going to get the Medibot back for this I, episode? I did, yeah. Yeah, I cringed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was totally expecting some sort of arguing or you know, back and forth between Crichton uh, and the Dendi bot. Or yeah, thank thankfully we didn't. Yeah, indeed.
1: Wasn't wasn't there originally going to be a scene with Rimmer and the Medibot, or am I just remembering that wrong? Where no,
2: was you're right.
0: It was in the outtakes on the uh, DVD. Um right. I'm not <laughs> sure what the argument was about. I know we covered it back in a couple of episodes ago. I'll I'll go and rewatch it, but. Um, it may have been this scene. Uh, let's just thank God it was cut out.
2: Yeah, well, just going back to that green skin again, and like you just said, Darren, thanks for Anthony for pointing that out because that's all we're looking for now. <laughs> yeah. But as uh, I say, like, we didn't notice it during the original viewing, but it's really noticeable when ta- when Crichton turns and walks out the bunk room in this scene. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Do you know what I mean? But like, like you said, he we're looking for it now. Now Anthony said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The next scene starts, and Lister is in the drive room. Rimmer kind of enters
1: and tells him to stop moping around now he's, th- this is what caught me out because he's not actually moping around. he's like vigorously typing away at that keyboard and first thing to come into my mind is well, what's he typing? you know is he doing his coursework for the course he signed up for at the end of Fathers and Sons, or yeah yeah you know, what's he he's actually doing work he's doing something
2: yeah. See, that's my thought, and I thought that would be quite good because it's got like some expanding plot lad throughout season 10, now, hasn't it? Uh, but you know, whenever I see things like this, I always wonder why the actors type that way when no matter what it is, film, sitcom, comedy, they always seem to sit there typing away like ultra fast, not making any mistakes. Yeah, like I can't, I can't completely <laughs> complete sentence, I've written the key about 45 times. <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's be honest, everybody types with two <laughs> <Yeah>. fingers.
2: Tongue out and everything.
1: Yeah. Well, we get the um we get a mix of dialogue here as well. Um we get this uh, careful dunking speech where he basically says, "Am I careful dunking? I look left, look right, mirror, signal dunk." Yeah. And to me, this is just one of these weird gags that just doesn't make any kind of sense. I, I can't see what is funny about it. It's yeah. you know dunking a biscuit is nothing like driving a car and manoeuvring, <laughs> yeah. um, you know. Uh, and for me, that's where this episode struggles. There's these moments of great comedy and great gags, such as the Areolas. You know, you thought Areolas was a Spanish you know keeper, mm, you yeah. know, and then you get moments like this with the dunking gag that just stink of a hurried writing job which we know it was Yeah, yeah yeah. they needed it needed more thought and you know it doesn't work
2: yeah, yeah. indeed well, definitely a lot of jokes fall flat on the face throughout this episode you know you can almost tell the audience giving a a bit of a pity laugh here, <laughs> there, here. but as you say Aunt, that Spanish goalkeeper land is you know I think that saves this little bit of the scene here. It did make me laugh out loud really
0: yeah but again that was shown on the um, trailers wasn't it yeah so you knew it was coming Mm. They did have quite an interesting conversation here and they were suggesting that everything he knows about women, um, all his moves are in the past. And Rimmer then gives an example just basically saying that, um, okay, so this this was a move from the past uh, and this would not work now. And you know what, he's kind of right. I mean, you just try to look back to stuff like Greece, for example. Uh, no, but you know what I mean. So, so some chat blinds from Greece, you just get punched in the face now. Or... So matter what I'm doing
2: wrong when I go to town with my comb. <laughs> my leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you're doing wrong. Just, just stretching your arm out at the driving. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have chopped the roof off my car either.
0: <laughs> Not in this country.
2: We get uh, this looks, del- looks, good, looks good on a fiesta. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a deleted scene here as well, uh, included on the DVD where Lister's being ribbed by uh, Rimmer about having old sperm. And that for me it's a, it's a really funny one and it's a pity they couldn't have kept it in, you know, and it just reminds me of the early bickering days of the two characters, yeah. you know. Yeah, totally.
2: Yeah.
0: The next scene starts and Lister is up vending Machine 23 with the worst alo-alo type French accent ever. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, this, this was a point that was raised on the Dwarf cast on the night and mm, yeah. I think it also, I think it's also mentioned again on the Ganymede and Titan written episode reviews. Mm. Right. Why is there a lack of offence at this French accent... When you compare it to the Taiwan Tony accent, yeah. you know both are as exaggerated and as stereotyped as each other. Um, dwarf casts, uh, they suggested that it might be that it's in another Eastern European country accent, and yeah. maybe that's considered less racist than an Asian one. But yeah, it just strikes me as weird that nobody kicks up a stink at this AOLO style accent, yeah. you know compared to this you know the uproar we got uh, over Taiwan Tony. yeah a bit yeah. strange.
0: Uh, Lister here is casually talking to machi- uh, vending machine twenty three, and he tries to bust out his moves like, "Oh, is that an- is that a new paint job?
1: Oh, you're looking good today." <laughs> <laughs> and she gets really offended, and he's like, "What?" Yeah, well, we've already seen that Lister with the previous vending machine has not shown any indication of flirting, mm. and it's it's really obvious that rumors talk about him having lost his moves has gotten under his skin. It's yes. really playing on his mind. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, along with you know with Curry and beers, I think pulling girls is one of um, Lister's you know things. Yeah, you know it's all we Yeah, it's almost like telling Taron he doesn't need three PlayStation threes in his house. He's just not going to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> so Crichton comes along
0: and Lister kind of asked her to explain himself. And she's saying, oh, well, he, he just went ahead and touched the logo and, and Crichton looks very shocked. <laughs> and then along comes Bimblin Long Rimmer as well, which it, is just a ship that size. and They just
1: all happen to congregate outside this one <laughs> vending machine. yeah well i mean one thing i've noticed on the broadcast is how none of the characters seem to make any kind of eye contact with the vending machine um it's not just in this scene it's in most of the vending machine scenes if not all of them all right and i I don't know how many of these were green screen if they were or weren't green screen but it, it reminds me of movies you know um you know, movies with the added cartoon characters, you know. Yeah, into like into Who into Framed films. Roger Rabbit and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. And yeah, and the eye lines don't quite match up with what's happening on screen. And that's what's happening here. Nobody's actually, when yeah. they're talking to or addressing the vending machine, nobody's looking directly at it. They're looking just past it. And it doesn't, it, it's
0: really jarring. Maybe, mm, yeah. um, as you mentioned earlier, maybe all the vending machines are bunny boilers and you just don't want to make eye contact.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. I never I never noticed it, but when Crichton walks up, he's looking nowhere near it. Yeah. Now he's too busy looking at his
1: nose. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Though, where is where are the eyes on a vending machine? Where are you meant to look? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> don't we- look
0: at the logo. <laughs> <laughs> we need some vending machine etiquette going on, do we? Yeah. The next scene starts and you've got Rimmer, Crichton and Lister in the bunk room and the Medicomp won't give Rimmer a sick note. Now they suggest that if they give him a donation from the medical, well, to the medical fund or a bribe then he may be able to sort something out. Now weirdly Crichton has been doing some maths and realises that there are 2,143 restrooms and suggested that they
1: could have budget cuts on loo rolls why the hell is he doing that I don't know I see I've always assumed that everything they needed whether it's loo rolls or food or whatever I assumed everything came from the cargo holds on the ship yeah you know and that Crichton and Scutters were just going around and topping them up Um, it's obvious from this script that the shuffling of budgets was playing heavily on Doug's mind when he was trying to write this episode yeah Uh, but it just it doesn't work it doesn't sit true um What budget? The three million miles into deep space, lost into deep space. Yeah. And like you say, we're we're almost back to this. Is there a committee or, you know, a virtual committee within the JMC computer they've got running the ship? Because Mm. shuffling of budgets and swapping, getting rid of the toilet paper so they can put more money into the medical fund. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't.
2: Yeah. See, to me, I it does a little bit to me because, you know, we've got a city-sized ship here, haven't we? And, you know, some sort of internal, you know, departments with budgets and currencies. It does, like, ring a bit to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, big department stores, like, right, say they have, like, hundreds, hundred rolls aboard and each department has ten. If you give them two, they give you two parts of their medical supplies. that's the way I've no, like, I understand
0: up. that but at the end of the day they are 3 million years into the yeah, future yeah, of so yeah, yeah. if they've bought all that toilet roll that's going to stay on there they're not going to get any refund uh, they're not going to put it yeah. in a pod somewhere and send it back for a refund are they yeah uh, see it's
2: one of them it's, it's just a bit, bit boring really isn't it <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like you say Ant you know but you're obviously playing every on Doug's mind. And you get the feeling that some part of Red Dwarf 10 actually really wrote itself. You know, yeah. Doug's putting a lot of personal experiences into these episodes, which of course isn't a bad thing. It's, it's worked really well throughout some of the episodes. Mm. But as you say here, yeah, I think it just falls a bit short.
0: Yeah. Mm. Now, this next scene again was slightly funny, but not worth the payoff, I didn't think. Um, Cat walks in. And it was quite amusing. I mean, because this is the first time we see Cat in this episode. Yeah. And he comes in and says, how do you break bad news somebody? And they're saying, oh, do this and do this and do this. <laughs> so he goes run out and comes back in and then and reenacts it all.
1: Yeah. You see the setup's good. Yeah. I, like, I love yeah. the way he comes in, asks, goes out, and then comes back in following the instructions he's just received. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. But, I mean, the so basically he comes in and then what he needs to tell them, the bad news, is that the mail pod's arrived and it's crashed into into the cat's clothes but this went on for far too long in my experience
1: yeah i'm I'm not a fan of the, uh, the is it charades or charades charades well charades yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> you know i'm not a fan of the charade scene at all um yeah. you've got uh lister seems to be blurting out about kachansky which doesn't match any of cat's motions mm. um supposedly he said something about a male pod female shorter male pod And Lister seems to blurt to this Kachansky um, Mm. assumption. Uh, Crichton is blurting out, before he even starts the charades, um, he's blurting out about being replaced. Mm. Um, I don't know, Mailpod maybe is reminded of Hudson 10, but he's blurting (laughs) this out before there's any mention of the Mailpod. Yeah. Yeah. Rimmers is the only one which for me seems to match the cat's actions when he seems to do a scary face and he blurts out polymorph Mm. before sort of like genuinely carrying it on and eventually mentioning giant death worms. But then he keeps coming back to this giant death worms. And I don't know if we're supposed to be seeing a reflection of the crew's fears or what's playing on their mind, but it doesn't work. It doesn't gel together. The actions of cat and the... Uh, answers they're coming up with just don't seem to go and it's it's okay and it's worth it worthy of a chuckle but it's not the massive scene which i think it's supposed to be yeah yeah agreed
2: yeah i thought at first it was like classic cat the whole asking Crichton to break the brand news walking out walking straight back in again yeah Um, i actually thought the charade scene was actually quite funny Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, if someone comes into you and says, "We've got bad news," you just automatically make your own man up straight away, don't you? Do you know what but it's mean? When, he,
1: when he says, um, yeah. "Yeah," but it was um, he goes, "You said two words," and he goes, "Yeah." Oh man. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, that sounds like um, the character Swiper from Dora the Explorer. She really <laughs> grates on me. <laughs> I've got kids, I have Yeah, okay. I, not now
2: they're, they're grown me and Ian like, the growing Dora The Explorer, but <laughs>
1: yeah. you look up Swiper from Dora the Explorer. Cat is doing Swiper from Dora uh, the Explorer. It, it, I right. was
2: gonna say, don't know your daughter. you have like a um, a horror night on a Tuesdays or with something? my
1: oldest one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So you just go from watching Dora the Explorer to watching a horror <laughs> film straight. (laughs)
1: now youngest daughter is very much um she you can't put anything even remotely scary on because she won't sleep for nights on end whereas my oldest one she's just not bothered and so we sit and watch horror movies on a tuesday night cool
0: (laughs) the next scene starts and Crichton is walking into the bunk room with a big mailbag uh, Rimmer wants a letter from home and again this is very similar to previous episodes in it uh, basically they, they have been a bit childish and Rimmer's like oh all I want is one letter and he does eventually get one but it's just a parking fine
1: well it, it turns it into a competition don't he with Lister yeah. yeah. and it's it's well look we're all going to you know it, it's geared up for losing it's geared up for not receiving a letter so look we're all grown up it doesn't matter blah 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 and then, as you say he gets his parking fine <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lister gets a letter as well but that's from a last called hayley summers and the letter says that she was seven weeks pregnant and he's not sure if it's his or roy's and they decide well th- this is the rest of the episode really that they need to find the letter with the results on
1: yeah well i mean overall um Rimmer's reaction at receiving a letter. Mm. That just reminds me of some of the early smeg up and smeg out shots where he goes into his sports commentator impressions yeah. and what yeah. have you. Um, and it, to me, it's, it's more Chris Barry than it is um, Arnold J. Rimmer, if yeah, you know sure. what I mean. Yeah. And so that took me out of it a little bit. Although overall, I did like the reaction. Um, to me, it's just the voice he did. It just reminded me of um, Chris Barry dropping out of character. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Lister's reaction about Hayley Summers and he's talking to Rimmer about um, how they met. Mm. And he just goes, you know, she was at the bank, blah, blah, blah. And he just turns around and he goes, uh, bada boom, bada bish, bada bam. And I'm thinking, what the hell is that about? What, <laughs> what does bada boom, bada bish, bada bam mean?
0: <laughs> I have no yeah. idea. I've got wrong.
2: It's like you say, I, 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 I love Chris Bryant. I think he's a criminally underrated actor, especially comedy-wise. But for someone who's meant to be an impressionist before he joined the cast of Red Dwarf, he does seem to use the same impressions over <laughs> and over just, and again. Yeah. We've got this one, and we get the carry-on impression that he always does every time he does a um, smeg-up.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to try and do the impression, by the way, if you're <laughs> waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: something that was raised on the... Um, it was the live Dwarfcast immediately following the episode airing, And yeah. it was um, one of the listeners raised it via Twitter. Um, and it was the use of the names Hayley and Roy. Yes. All right. Now, Craig Charles is is as famous in the UK for his role as Lloyd in Coronation Street as he is for anything else he's done. Yeah. All right. Roy and Hayley are both characters... From the episode of Coron- uh, from uh, this TV show, Coronation Street. Mm. And Hayley's character was actually born a man. So when Rimmer jokes that she's writing to say that she's a man, mm. right, I can only assume that this is a deliberate reference to Coronation Street by Doug. Because if not, the use of those two names with that gag, you know, it's got to be quite a coincidence.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Maybe they are quantumly entangled. Still. <laughs> no, you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> <Easy.
1: laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now, you see, I think we, this is where we get into the um, the big, what I consider the big failure of this episode. Mm. All right. And it's something that's been picked up on by the Dwarfcasts and Ganymede and Titans written reviews. Uh, I think Garbage Podcast mentioned it too. Uh, and it's the way that... Um, it's the way they handle Hayley Summers. Uh, now we when we got Lisa Yates in the Thanks for the Memory episode.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. We get to see the characters on screen, happy together, in love, and it cements their relationship for the viewer. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we don't get to see any of this with Hayley Summers. Um all we get is um There's only a couple of scenes where she's actually mentioned and she's introduced to us straight away as somebody who has clearly cheated on Lister during their time together or soon after they'd split up she was with somebody else. Mm, And I don't think the relationship properly works. It's not it doesn't come across in our mind as strongly as the Lisa Yates relationship with Lister and, you know, as far as Rimmer's concerned with himself. Mm, it doesn't yeah. come across that way. So the emotion is missing from this episode um that is present in Thanks for the Memory. And for me, that is one of the big failures of this episode if they'd have actually managed yeah. to get that across spent a bit more time on building up this relationship rather than just two scenes i mean by the time we've hit this scene the first time she's mentioned we're halfway through the episode
2: yeah yeah, yeah. and considering that's this that's the main you know that's the plot of the episode for her to be announced halfway through the episode you know you're basically cutting your time in off aren't you
1: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, indeed. Well, like, I, I've said it loads of times, you know, to people who've seen the episode, like, if you mentioned the name Lisa Yates, you just remember the season, you remember the the scenes that she's in, you remember what episode it was. Yeah. If you think in a couple of months and you mention Hayley, whatever her name is, I can't remember it now. <laughs> it's
1: Hayley Summers, and Hayley it always Summers, brings yeah. to my mind a character <laughs> from um, Buffy for some reason. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Buffy Summers, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: So, like, do you know what I mean? straight away you, you're forgetting. She's it seems like a forgettable character. But Lisa Gates was really a prominent character in Red Dwarf now, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. See, I always think you know. It seems like the way Lister talks about that she was a massive part of Lister's life before he joined Red Dwarf. And again, it kind of feels like she's been thrown in our face. yet it comes from nowhere. But on the other hand, I always think you know. One of the plots that we have in the episode here is that Lister's lost his way when it comes to women. Yeah, you know what I mean? so it's obvious that Lister was a bit of a playboy in his youth. Yeah, so maybe this is just another notch on his belt, and you know we could have like hundreds and thousands of these stories, and he just, you know, kind of forgettable and kind it, of makes I mean, it a bit viable. I
1: suppose it works in relation to the final line of the episode, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's to me it's just a bit. I don't want to keep saying jarring. It no. just yeah. doesn't, doesn't work. It's a bit of a failure, I think.
2: Yeah, I think, I think, with the being halfway through the episode, I think it throws the pacing off a little bit. You know, from here on in this episode, it feels rushed to me. Mm, indeed. The next scene starts, and Lister
0: is back talking to Vending Machine 34, which is the original Vendy Bar. Basically, she's got the hump with him, um, because he apparently tried it on with the other Vending Machine, and uh, they have a little up
1: argument definite bunny boiler.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i get the sense that we really haven't enjoyed these vending machines in red dwarf 10 have we no yeah well I'll, I'll, it, I'll be
1: honest with you i don't mind the vending machines themselves it's not a big issue um i, I don't mind a vending machine being a bunny boiler it doesn't bother <laughs> me <laughs> at all.
2: i say give me back tony slattery any day and that and that is the yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> He's just Anthony with his robot
0: set again, he's moved on to vending
2: machines. <laughs> <laughs> Do you say that's an upgrade or a downgrade? <laughs> this more to grab. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the next scene starts and you've got Cryant walking down the corridor. And again, this I found this quite jarring because he's got a trolley and it's got all the toilet rolls on there. And he meets Rimmer in the drive room. Now... Rimmer asks how he got on with the donation, and the medicomputer took it. But the only way he could get a sabbatical was if he was looking after somebody sick. So it decides that he's going to pick Lister as the last human alive, and he was—he's was basically his carer.
2: Yeah. See, if these onboard JMC computers are uh, making all of these decisions then surely they know what's going on on the ship. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, yeah, I know you've been watching for the last three million
0: years, but, right, Which the that, bit that yeah. you didn't see was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we're the only people on the ship, but I know you probably didn't see this, but...
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's only us. There's only yeah, don't look, look the other way. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does feel a little bit weird, though, doesn't it? Yeah. The next scene starts, and the cat is attempting to comfort Lister. About, basically, he may or may not be a father, but he doesn't do a very good job.
1: Well, he's he's telling him to keep his mind off um, the fact that she's cheating on him. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. It'll get under your skin. In, in making the situation work. For me, it, this is one of the funniest scenes of the episode. Yeah, right? yeah we've, we've consistently said that Danny John Jules has been informed this whole series. Yeah. All uh, right. Mm-hmm. Apart from his yeah. own man line earlier. All yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But this here, it reminds me of absolute classic Red Dwarf, you know. Um, Wow, well, I say classic red dwarf I suppose it's nearer to um, yeah. duck soup you know when he's talking about being claustrophobic yeah yeah you yeah. know whoo wee uh, you know look how tight t- 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 <laughs> he is <in."> and <laughs> basically the more he talks the worse he makes the situation and yeah. he does the same thing here and for me it's absolutely classic cat uh, yeah. I don't know why I said the early series when it's possibly closer to series seven cat <laughs> yeah, yeah. we know
2: Again, what you meant. we really wouldn't uh, you don't want anything to remind me of duck uh, that may sound proper negative, but as you keep saying, and you know, Danny's on form throughout, not just there throughout the season. Um, His yeah. short and snappy lines just give you a big laugh all the time. You know, the innuendo gags are extremely funny in this scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, this this scene also serves to destroy any kind of positive thoughts that we may have about Hayley Summers. Yeah, indeed. You know, because yeah. it's, it's reinforcing the fact that she's cheated on him. You yeah. know, when they yeah. were together, she was actually seeing Roy, you yeah. know. Yeah,
2: and working long weekends and getting trapped in the vault often yeah. and then- <laughs> all the rest of it. Yeah, I must say, though, I love there's a little lone clap at the end, from one of the studio members at the end of the scene. <laughs> Just a little, you know, a little... <laughs> and he, he must have looked, looked around at everyone and no one was clapping and thought, oh, crap, I must stop clapping. Here. So yeah. So yeah. that's up to you. <laughs> the next scene
0: starts and basically you've got Rimmer and Lister and they've gone through every single one of the letter letters and can't find the second letter. Yeah, Crichton basically says to him, yeah, listen, just forget about the past. You're not going to find the letter. Just just leave it behind.
2: It seems to like he can't let it go, you know Lister has. He's a dog with a bone at this stage now, I think.
0: Yeah, indeed. The next scene starts, and Lister kind of has a little make-up with Machine 34. Uh, not that kind of way, Anthony. Get excited? <laughs> <laughs>
1: you-
0: Um, Weirdly, she say, he says, right, what, what can I do for you? What? She says, well, what I've always wanted to do is see around the corner. Um, which he then wheels her around so she can see. Now, this is the kind of jarring bit from before, because she was saying, oh, yeah, I'll watch you while you're sleeping and all the rest of it. I'm thinking, (laughs) well, if you've never moved from there, unless you're bang outside his quarters, which we know you're not.
1: I I, See, I assume she's got to be straight outside the um, bunk room Mm. for her to see through the crack in the door. She's got to be. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, that's probably why it's the vending machine he's most familiar with. Yeah. Um, it jars a bit when the, the French vending machine, when he turns around to this vending machine, the argument says, well, she was nearer. You know, yeah. she's going, why have you used a, uh, you know, on about the French one? Mm. Um, well, this is the one that's obviously just outside his bunk room. That's my assumption with okay. it anyway.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Now, he tries to put her up against the wall. Um <laughs> <laughs> Do you want five minutes, Anthony? Or no, you're okay. You're be okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm only laughing for comedy effect.
0: So he tries to put her up against the wall, but he falls over and on top of her. Firstly, he looks like he's, he's making up with her properly.
2: <laughs> I love the fact that we reference a vending machine as hair hey, now and not it.
0: <laughs> it's all for Anthony's sake.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean the, the worst thing in this scene is just the way he tries to lift the vending machine. Yeah. Because the first <laughs> thing I do when I just when I want to lift something heavy is lie on top of it. <laughs> yeah, because that really helps. <laughs> right. Now I said on the night, and I've seen other people um have mentioned similar things before, right? Lister should have got his had his his coat or a buckle on his coat or a uh, something snagging the coin slot or something for this seemed yeah. to make sense, mm. right? It's it's funny the way he's writhing about on top of the machine, <laughs> but it would have been a lot funnier if there was a genuine reason for him to be laid on top with such yeah, an unnatural yeah. technique.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but as you say, and a lot of people talk about it, it's such a huge talking point for this episode. <laughs> it's a bit weird when you see it on broadcast, but. I didn't laugh and I think it would have been slightly awkward there being in the studio or into recording me. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you say, I'm just getting his his, his jacket caught in the Queen's thought or something would have fixed the situation. But for me, the reaction of Rimmer saves it.
1: Don't get get me wrong, I was still laughing at it and it still made me laugh, but I think it would have been a lot funnier if there was a genuine
2: reason for
1: him to be laid on top in the way he was <laughs>
2: yeah indeed it's just the fact that Rimmer goes CCTV you're like, yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
0: because <laughs> Rimmer walks off and he adds that to his notepad for ammo for a sabbatical The next scene starts and cats walking down the corridor similar it's got the similar kind of look on his face like he did at the end of backwards you know like he was it, it just be crap <laughs> but this time basically he, he was wanting some paper um to go to the toilet
1: right here we get to the the biggest debated topic of this episode right yeah. Has Cat been to the toilet and just needs to wipe away the <laughs> dangleberries, right? Or is he touching cloth? He's not actually been yet, but he needs desperate to go. I, mean, I think he needs to go. I know it's crude <laughs> and it has to be asked, right? The on- online Red Dwarf communities have demanded to know.
0: <laughs> I personally think that he needs to go because, if you remember, he then goes and gets the letters and then is running off to do his
2: bit. Yeah, but... I if you notice his shirt's untucked, I don't know, don't ask why I noticed it, but so my answer <laughs> is he definitely needs just to wipe. <laughs> <laughs> We're
1: debating it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm with you, but I'm with you, Ian. I think he's been, and he just he just needs to wipe.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, but surely it, it had done the normal thing, so you'd just sit down and mm. uh, and check the supplies first, wouldn't you? Yeah.
2: Because sh- this is the biggest point of the episode. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> Uh, we've stooped so low (laughs) the
0: next scene starts and Rimmer, Crichton and Lister are in the bunk room and they can't find letter number two as we mentioned before (laughs) number two letter
2: yes (laughs) 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 was that meant on your show notes yeah yeah because it was (laughs) I'm I'm a funny guy comedy genius yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) A uh, cat walks in with the letters which he'd picked up while running to the toilet because he's not been previously. <laughs> and Lister realizes that one of the letters is actually from Hayley. Yeah. The last scene starts and Lister is holding off reading the letter. And he's sat there and he's saying, Oh, Hayley, she would have made a good mother and this, that, and the other, and really bigging her up. And it turns out that he wasn't the father and it was Roy's. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, this is where we get the moment of uh, controversy for this episode, Mm. the real big one. Um, I know a lot of people who loved this final line of the episode. I know a lot of people who hated this final line of the episode. Mm. And Doug actually addresses it on the documentary, um, says that he thought long and hard before deciding to go with it. Mm. Um, He says it's something that, um, as far as he's concerned, for that character, it's absolutely right for that character to use that expression in that particular instance yeah, yeah right it's it's the crushing disappointment of that particular moment that makes him say that um, I mean I personally I'm not bothered by it um You know, following the previous speech where he builds her up as almost saintly, saying how much of a great woman she was, what a great mother she would have been, right? For me, it's funnier to go with the strongest, contrasting verbal attack of her rather than a softened attack.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, right. Now, they did try filming it with the use of the word trollop, but Doug felt that the harsher version was funnier. Uh, He also went on the audience reaction of the night as well, which was much better for the harsher line, Mm. right? Uh, you know, there's maybe there's other lines they could have used, right? Um, other words they could have used, but for me, by then the moment's gone with the audience. You got to you've got to go with the first couple of mm. takes, right? And so, and f- for me, I think it's perfectly within character. I've got no problem with it, and I think it works when you consider the situation Listers in. Give him more time yeah. to think about it, he wouldn't call her an absolute slag, yeah. right? But it's that. Initial disappointment. He's built himself up. He's built her up in his mind. He's convincing himself how great she is, right? And he, he's wanting to be a dad, even yeah. though it's three million years ago. You know, he was talking about how his great 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 grandchild could have been playing zero G football and what have you. Yeah. He's built it all up. He wants this, all right? No, it's not yours. What an absolute slag, you know. And that's <laughs> it. And for me, it works. Yeah. Well, normally I've got trouble with these. Um...
2: Yeah. See, I was going to ask you, you preferred the use of smeg in your previous episodes? I
0: had absolutely no trouble at all with this. Because um, mm. I, I don't know if it was just northern thing, but um, mm. the word slag is just used all the time. You know, just a. <laughs> <no, laughs> okay, that be coming across wrong.
1: Not uh, often uh, in wedding vows, uh, I No,
0: <laughs> but uh, again, it, it's quite a common word to use, just describing mm. somebody who's a bit slaggy or a bit slutty or... Oh, mm-hmm. You know, just it, it's a, just a derogatory term. It, it's just used like any other word. Yeah. So we'll I didn't see, worry about it at all.
2: We've seen we've seen to talk about the use of the language a lot. You know, during these these reviews lately. Yeah. Again, I, I think the harsh version of the broadcast works fine. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We, let's not forget the it's a word that Lister used before when he caused all the that slugs and polymorph. So yeah, it's saying it's not out of character, and I think it fits the situation perfectly well.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Right. That's the episode review done. Next section is the scores. Now, for me, I thought there wasn't enough CAT. When it was used, it was very good. Uh, Shrouds was a yeah. bit iffy, but I th- I thought there wasn't enough use of uh, the CAT in this. And again, overusing the vending machines. Yeah. I, I just don't like them as a plot point. Yeah. I-, I know there's budget constraints and everything like that, but use something else, not bloody vending machines. Uh, So I've only scored this 5 out of 10. Um, Ian?
2: Yeah, I've gone for the same as you. I've gone for a 5 out of 10. I was so close to giving this a 4 before, you know, just thinking about the episode before when we were talking before we actually got the review done, we were going, we've got the uh, Dave next, you know. Yeah.
0: It's
2: one of them. It felt like a chore rather than actually sitting down and enjoying the episode of The Red Dwarf. Yeah, indeed. I've gone up to a 5 after rewatching just purely because some of the scenes with Kat I think mm. Rimmer's on form during this episode it is the weakest of the season if you ask me I think Kat, Rimmer have some good gags the moves don't move scene in the finger wetting scenes were, were great comedy yeah but as I say it just felt like nothing happened in the episode besides that yeah and you say I said it from the very beginning you know, the episode's plagued with problems and Miyako is off the dug for putting it all together but it just felt like this episode was fairly weak and as you said, Darren, bloody vending machines. <laughs> yeah,
1: indeed. Um, Anthony. Um, I've gone for four out of ten. Okay. Um I'm not sure if I'm maybe being a bit overcritical with it being so close to air date. Um I was tempted to give it less than this, but I must admit, having watched the documentary and seen the problems, I've given it a little bit more than what <laughs> You know, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't. I don't. You know, if, if you come to me in a year's time, I might be giving it a five or a six, or I might be giving it a two or three. I mm. really don't know where I am with this, right? It's an episode where very little happens. Yeah. Um, it just feels unfinished. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but with it, with little happening and staying on board, basically a couple of the red dwarf rooms and the corridors, you'd think it would be right up my street. You know, the love I've got of series yeah. one and two. Yeah. Right. But it just feels like the jokes need writing on. You know, there's some that are absolutely yeah. spot on, such as the ones we mentioned, the Areolas um, Spanish goalkeeper line. There's others like the Duncan line from the same scene that just are not funny. Yeah. I think potentially it could have been a great episode. It just needed more work on that script, yeah. which obviously they, they didn't have. And um, I'm hoping that in the future with yeah. Red Dwarf, he learns from this and gives himself a bit much, you know, a bit more time on it. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. you know, during this season, each, see, I keep saying season, I've gone very America lately. <laughs> but, uh, to, um, me, to me, it makes sense to say yeah. series
1: um, Series is the whole thing. So when the series is over, the show's finished. Season, mm. to me, it makes sense. I quite yeah. like the American method now, I must admit.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, I would do a point. I was just you know, doing some research I was on the and uh, Titan website, and one of their forum users states, well, Doug's done the writing and the directing for this hasn't he for the whole Red Dwarf. 10? Yeah, yeah. Would you like it if we brought Ed Bay back for season eleven, and just stuck to the writing and got some solid writing done? Mm. If if we get a season eleven, like.
1: Yeah, I mean they've always had a strong input anyway, haven't they? Yeah. they uh, both when when Rob and Doug were together, the um, both of them were always present on set and changing things at yeah. the time. But yeah, yeah, I've, I'd be happy with that, and uh, perhaps yeah. that's where Richard Nail is you know, being trained up, perhaps to take some mm. more of the pressure off if there's a, if there's ever a series eleven.
0: Yeah, possibly. Hmm. Um, so that's five, five, four from us, uh, from Facebook. And, ooh, somebody scored it as low as a two. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a two, three, couple of sixes, couple of eights, a nine, and a ten. Okay. Um, which gives us a total of 72 out of 120, so we call that 60%. Yeah, it's,
1: it's yeah. fractionally under 60%.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Andy, you've just got a comment on there from CJ Thorpe. On yeah Facebook? on the
1: on the Facebook group um, mm. his comments um, if I remember rightly I think he gave it uh, the 3 out of 10 okay. um, I'm very surprised by the high scores for this episode personally I feel it's by far the weakest episode of the series except for a couple of funny lines during Lister's opening exchanges with Crichton and Rimmer I didn't laugh at all the storyline was uninteresting and uneventful and the scenes with the vending machines really grated on me mm. Red Dwarf can have uneventful episodes Marooned is one of my favourite ever episodes but the dialogue needs to be extra strong to compensate Sherrard's scene went on for too long and the line about Kachansky's got a space fire it seemed really misplaced Mm. Um, the end of the episode was predictable and the final line didn't quite sit right with me I feel something more along the lines of Lister building up the idea of being a dad in his head and then saying something like thanks Smeg for that when he finds out that he isn't would have been funnier Mm, and more in keeping with Lister's character and Mm. yeah, I can I can see where it's coming from. Yeah, if he's instead of building her up, if he's building himself up, and you know, my son could do this, my son could have been that. You yeah. know, he could have been great. Blah blah blah. And looking forward to it. And then they say, oh, it's not yours. Oh, thanks, Meg, for that. Yeah, let's get yeah, a parrot. That's yeah. that's as effective, um, mm. probably. Yeah, yeah, that works.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, the next section is what's going down in Groovetown after a quick advertisement from Rebel Force Radio.
1: Introducing Rebel Force Radio, your source for the Force, Star Wars news and commentary
0: with Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've
1: seen Star Wars five hundred times. Weekly live shows and podcasts. Star Wars number one. The Billy D quote of the week. This is Billy D Williams. Lando Calrissian. Listener feedback. Play back the entire message. Outrageous, unthinkable stories. It's outrageous. It's unthinkable. Comedy, Clone Wars reviews, contests, giveaways, event coverage, Star Wars celebrities, and more. Hey, it's Mark
2: Hamill, that Skywalker guy from those space movies. This is Carrie Fisher. Hey, Jake Lloyd here. This is Anthony Daniels. This is Daniel Logan. Tom King. This is the voice of Yoda. Hi, this is Ray Park. This is Jeremy Bullock. The name's Fett. Boba Fett. Rebel Force Radio. You are
1: on the front lines of fandom by listening to this show.
0: <laughs> Jimmy Mack and Jason Swank usher in a new era of Star Wars podcasting. Rebel
1: Force Radio. R-F-R. Rebel Force Radio debuts January Nineteenth, 2013. Like Rebel Force Radio on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Stay tuned for special announcements about the Rebel Force Radio official webpage. Leaving no Star Wars fan behind. Rebel Force Radio. It all begins January 19th. Your new
0: source for the Force.
2: Alright dudes, what's going down in Groovetown then?
0: Groovetown. Anybody that follows on Twitter you will have seen there's been quite a large conversation going on with <laughs>
2: <him>. very large
0: <laughs> yeah um, he's started from the beginning of the uh, Scottcast mp3 ones and he's, he's found a couple of problems with a couple of the early episodes I don't know what happened with them but they are glitchy so I've re-uploaded them and they're fine now but what I did find myself doing was so I listened to the entire of season one or I should say mm. the first six episodes wow <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, are, you on our, are you with Anthony now and hating our first couple of episodes
0: no I thought they were ok but because we're I think we're very organised now compared to yeah. what we used to before and just because it's all over the place and because I can hear the sound quality differences and the, the volume yeah. differences and everything I'm just, it's a bit cringy
2: yeah I mean well, we, we started off without show notes and everything maybe just free-for-all maybe just I know well, we, shower, we, shower we, we said we'll,
1: we'll watch the episode and then we'll talk about the episode and that was it yeah yeah,
0: but yeah it was kind of hard work so but hopefully I mean those download problems are resolved um, Noel if you do find any others or if anybody else finds any others just let me know I've got I've now got two backups <laughs> Uh, locally which i think are all okay Um, so i can re-upload them if you do get any problems but just drop us a tweet or drop it on the facebook or something like that
2: if you do drop a a message on twitter make sure you ask for darren and not ian please (laughs) (laughs) because i haven't got a clue because ian just points you at darren (laughs) Yeah. yeah
0: about nine months ago we moved all the all the feeds from Podbean across to the Red Dwarf Forum main site Uh, what I have finally I was looking through my PayPal the other day and I realised that we're still paying for them about 9 months later, it's cost me a 10 quid a month so I've decided just to uh, cut our losses and just um, kill that feed off so if you are still listening to the Podbean granted you won't have heard this episode because this isn't on there but if you know people that are (laughs) um, the Podbean is about to die off um, it was good while well, it lasted. It, it was a great place to get it started up, but there were just too many niggly little problems and it was very hard to maintain, I found. So that will be dying off, I think, the 19th of this month. Mm-hmm. So if you wonder where that's gone, it's gone. Uh, so that means if you are also listening to this and you have got any links, um, I know we've done quite a few podcasts of the week and stuff and people have shared links. Mm-hmm. Can you just make sure you link points at the Red Dwarf Forum and not the Podbean site, please?
1: Yeah, if you've got a blog or a website or if you've made any forum postings with the links in it, if you just try and alter it to the Red Dwarf Forum one, that's it.
2: Yeah, yeah that what. spot on. I remember um, the message that Darren sent to you, Aunt, about changing all your links on your signatures. <laughs> yeah. Are you through <laughs> that Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, so
0: I thought, right, well, I've cancelled this. So I'll just do a search for scuttercast.podbean.com And the first two pages of results were all signatures from Anthony from various different forums. (laughs) I'm like, ah, (laughs) found the problem. (laughs) Because I I was shocked. I looked at the stats, and we get, on average, about 200 downloads a week from the Podbean site still, Mm -hmm. even though all feeds have moved. So I'm thinking, where the hell are these coming from? (laughs) It looked like it was Anthony. (laughs) Um, We did get a tweet through, which made me chuckle, actually. Um, I think you starred this um, on the account, didn't you, Ian? Yeah. Um, basically it was from the Cuban one after we'd done the Entangled episode and he, he simply said in Entangled the naked legs we see after the ape turns to the doctor were, belong to Doug Naylor <laughs> he
1: <just laughs> her
2: fake red dwarf facts hashtag <laughs> fake red yeah. <laughs> if you actually I think that hashtag went around for a little bit you know there's a big a few parody accounts going round there is yeah onto but, it at the moment there's a few of them if you to the hashtag there are a few of them some of them are really funny actually Ganymede Gallim,
1: yeah. and Titan ran a load a uh, while back and I think occasionally they still crop up um, yeah. I don't think it's fake RDX facts I think it's hashtag um, I, I can't remember what, it, what the hashtag was now you know because I'm not on yeah 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 I think it was just uh, Red Dwarf facts and you know obviously they're not facts yeah yeah <laughs>
0: We got an email from Scott Pike. Um, Basically, I'll just paraphrase, but we were saying that he enjoyed season 10. It was kind of like for him, season 5 and 6, but only improved. He did like season 9, but he loved season 10. He did, however, miss having an idiot computer on board, um, just any version of it, uh, which is fair enough. And he says he did kind of miss Holly, which I think we've all said that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's also mentioned that basically the Scots aren't mentioned at all as if they never existed um which again i've never really thought about that but um yeah where are the scooters mm. I, think... I might
1: be i might be wrong but i'm sure i've seen posted online that there was an inactive one under the stairs in the drive room during either the first or the second episode okay. i keep yeah. meaning to go back and have a look for it but um i've not done yet i've not seen it with my own eyes but i'm sure i'm positive i've read that um online somewhere is that there is a there is an inactive one in the background in one of the scenes
0: yeah okay fair yeah. enough uh we've had a couple of itunes reviews so thank you very much for those um just shout out to david onion ball just uh, again paraphrasing bruce he's saying he's enjoying the episodes uh julian underscore f again he's enjoying it and he's actually got a lot more podcast out of it from um Anthony, your podcast of the week
1: yeah yeah
0: um andy folks from leeds he's commenting back on a previous comment that he gave and Last time you mentioned there were download issues, but they're now they're fixed. We'd,
1: we'd asked on one of the episodes if um, if he was still having problems. Yeah, and, that's right, um, yeah. So basically he's answered via iTunes to say that his download issues is all fixed now.
0: Yeah, he did mention that we can be a little too analytical, but we know that. That's what makes us. <laughs> <those>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that it takes us 55 minutes to review a 29-minute episode <laughs> says a lot. <laughs>
2: To be honest with this one's lasted fifteen minutes and I've been thinking this is a quick one, this <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, he does agree with us
0: on Red Dwarf X that it has its own vibe and as he instead the cat does steal the show with his one liners. And he believes Red Dwarf X's biggest achievement is the next episode, which is the beginning, which I agree. Mm. A cracking episode coming up. Which I'm yeah. I'm actually looking forward to reviewing unlike Reviewing the one we've just reviewed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, as I said, I've just paraphrased those, but feel free to read them in full. They are there for public viewing on the iTunes Store. Uh, and as far as all the other countries, I will get round to you and just do you in one lump. The fact that iTunes is now open up, uh, I saw, I saw um, something on the RSS feed a couple of weeks back that it's now in forty-six countries. So that's <laughs> going to be a couple yeah. of weeks' work just trying to get all those reviews together.
2: I yeah. love <laughs> so, this little bit of an day you've put for and P-O-T-W is podcast of the week
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just based on a comment we had on a couple of episodes back, I, I sent a text through to both of you two didn't I, so mm. oh, do you have a, a podcast of the week or a P-O-T-W <laughs> you're just like what's that mean what? <laughs> we've only done nearly six, Well, we've done 60 episodes <laughs> but okay
1: yeah well
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Parrot's Bar, the place you can drink a curry-flavored tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Parrot's Bar. Um. Well, it was nice to have a month off, to be honest. Um. I got a lot of gaming in. Um. I played and complete <laughs> Saints Row the Third, which what an amazing game. It's just so stupid. Uh, <laughs> Just an open world, um, kind of like a Grand Theft Auto, but just with a sense of humour. Um, I mean, one of the weapons is a, a five foot purple dildo, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Um, but what a fantastic game. I loved every minute of that.
2: Just been uh, a
0: lovely talent into this episode, hasn't it? <laughs> I know. Uh, currently, I'm playing through Red Dead Redemption, which um it, it's a couple of years old now but never really got to play it before but due to the challenge that i'm doing the the one on the other podcast mm-hmm. is i'm getting to get through some of these games which i i'd never really bothered with and such an amazing game it's one of those that it, it's um you're probably not aware of it anthony but it's um basically a western game and it's yeah like,
1: I've, I've, I've seen it I've oh, seen okay it. yeah
0: yeah And um, basically you can i mean i started playing it last night i thought oh, i'll just have a quick go and like three or four hours have gone past, and I've done nothing. I've been out skinning stuff. It's <laughs> like Grand Theft
1: Auto, isn't it? I mean, very just, much so. Yeah. You end up cruising only in on horses instead of cars. And
0: yeah, yeah, and very much. <coughs> there was a recent Xbox sale, which they dropped all the games down to about eight and a half quid. Uh, well, like eight ninety nine. Some of them, some down to, like two and a half quid. Um, absolutely amazing um it was a real challenge um sticking to my challenge with those i can tell you some of the games are around at 249 i'm like oh shit i must not buy it <laughs> um again on the gaming front though i've booked my tickets now for Eurogamer 2014 uh, sorry 2013 yeah. uh, which i'm really excited about because there's going to be the new ps4 there um my assumption is will be the next xbox and I can tell it's gonna be a busy one because uh, we've tried to book the hotels and everywhere's booked out already.
2: Nice. Uh, yeah, so but it's so, gonna to... Go come. Speaking speaking of this, this challenge you do when do you finish it? Um Eurogame of the show. So I'm very excited about <laughs> Eurogamer. Yeah.
1: It means you can buy games that he's not going to play again. I was really
2: hoping that they were going to do a quick turnaround with this PlayStation 4 and get this out before your challenge was over. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I would know how much that would kill you. Yeah, I oh, know. Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, I, I sadly sat and watched all the PS4 announcement and it does look like a nice piece of kit. Uh, yeah. But I'll get my hands on it in about six and a half months' time at Eurogamer, so... Really looking forward to that. Um, Now, uh, we we briefly discussed on the forum, Anthony, Utopia. Uh, You really raved the first episode of that, and it's just a six-part English thing, wasn't it? Yeah, British thing. Um, This weekend, I watched the final episode. Have you seen the end
1: of it yet? Yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. It's, um, I don't know about you, it didn't go the direction I thought it was going to go. Um, I think it was all right. It it was enjoyable for what it was. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. But I was expecting a bit more kick-ass moments with some of the characters that just seemed to... Be a bit dull. F- frazzle out towards the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but, yeah, it started off absolutely fantastic. Didn't quite go the direction I wanted it to go, and I think I'd have preferred it if it had a done. Uh, but, no, it was it was all right. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, but, uh, as you said, it was a bit... Well, you got the guy, the the, the torture expert, you know, the... Um, what is it? Chilis, sand... Yeah, that's right. And a spoon something like that yeah that's right I, and you know that was really good setup um but that character just fizzled out yeah yeah
2: yeah if you're going right over my head this
0: um yeah well we'll we'll stop talking about that but <laughs> this, this um, basically,
1: okay. basically there's a torture scene within this episode and this bloke lays out a tub of chili a tub of sand and then this spoon he says, right. he says everyone has expert you know areas they specialize in some people it's the soles of the feet some people it's the fingernails mine is the eyes yeah <laughs> and he just lays out this tub of chilies tub of sand and a spoon <laughs> a teaspoon and it's like oh god <laughs> yeah so
0: basically he was trying to get information out of this guy um uh, and that was his weapons of choice I'll let you work
2: out the rest. <laughs> I don't have to eat the chilies and I'll give him all the
1: information. <laughs> he
2: specialises in eyes, that's the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would have to, you know, when name, I go near my mouth, I'd be talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and I think I mentioned on the last episode that I've been selling everything on Fleabay. Based on the fact that I've just had to pay a massive chunk to eBay for fees. I've now paid um hundred and one quid in fees, which means I must have made over a thousand pound. Which top banana, yeah. Just for stuff that's kicking around and I'm just selling. It's it's just amazing. I mean, granted, eBay take ten percent cut and PayPal take five percent cut, so you only get uh, well seventy five percent of that. But still. of a grand isn't bad at all for for nothing.
1: Uh I've made a fiver on my (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts.
0: I was going to discuss that. Um, Your t-shirts are really coming on. I mean, I I read Mm. the forum via the RSS feed um, Mm. and I just see all the feeds going up. And to be honest, majority of them are your t-shirts going up, Anthony. Yeah,
1: Yeah. um, there's not a lot of traffic on the forums at the moment.
0: No, well, I'm watching it externally, but... Uh, so i'm partly to blame sorry um Uh but i think your t-shirts are going on leaps and bounds now yeah if anybody hasn't seen those i'd suggest going and checking them out not just so and they can make some cash but i think for you can tell you're in a mindset that we're in and it's very geeky very sci-fi and a lot of the stuff um i can relate to straight away i'm like that's cool as a (laughs) t-shirt yeah Yeah. that's
1: that's my biggest problem is is just i struggle to see t-shirts that i really like yeah um, you know, it, if you if you see a Star Wars one, more often than not, it'll be in Tesco or somewhere like that. And I hold it up and I think, oh, I want to gone that way with it, and that's a bit crap. Or yeah, you know, yeah. why have why have they distressed this bit? And um so yeah, it's just just it's like I say, it's more for fun, just having a laugh. Yeah. Um learning to use that GIMP program as well. Yeah. That's more that's the main thing. Um i to think what else I've got for parrot. Oh, you, you, we're on about the doing the 12-hour shifts, you know, last time we spoke. Um, That's right, spoke. yeah. All right, right at the last minute, they turned around and cancelled it. Um, it was supposed to be a month of 12-hour trials, and if they were going ahead, they were going to then do it with three shifts. Yeah. But for this month, you're going to have to do 12 hours whilst we trial it. Well, right at the last minute, they just turned around and says, oh, we're not trying it, we're just going to do it. With three shifts, okay. Right now, bearing in mind we're driving machinery, I go in on the first shift in the morning. I'm supposed to pre-start this machine mm. that this bloke's getting off from the previous day. It's not stopped, even on breaks and dinners. Somebody else will jump on it. That's working through mm. and keep the machine. These machines aren't they're not built to run for 24 hours, and they dying on <laughs> the dying on the feet, yeah. right and um, the plant, this, we've just had, um, how long has it been? About six, It's about six months old, the plant. Mm. And they spent £2 million investment on this new plant, total new plant. Yeah. All right. Now, on the second week of these um, 24-hour running with three shifts, um, out of 120 hours available through the week, we only got six hours of running time out of it. Because <laughs> the plant is breaking down... <laughs> it's, it's it's beyond a joke. We've got shifts and shifts of people that are uh, just basically just milling around on the floor having to pick cardboard out of a pile rather than on the conveyor belt as stuff comes by. Wow. You know, they keep they keep shouting me with the machine right turn this over so they can pick more stuff out of it. There's only so many times, you know, in there's only so many times in um, 114 hours that you can turn over the front of a pile for people to find pieces of cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's um, it's not boding well, these uh, 24-hour running with three shifts. It's really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, try to think what else I've done. Oh, I, I went to uh, Quadrophenia night. You, you saw this on Facebook, I think, Ian. and um, yeah basically it came up as a recommendation on um facebook quadrophenia night it's in nottingham um nine pound a ticket and um what it basically is it's it promises a big screen showing of the film um this is in a a, a club or a pub environment um there's a it's shown on big screen, it's followed by a live band playing music of the era and music from the movie itself, yeah. and then it's followed by a disco with the, um, it's the saxophone player from the specials who's DJing. Okay. All right, now I posted, I'm desperate to go to this, um, who's coming with me? And I got no response, and I posted again. I said, look, I'm I'm going to this, somebody has got to go with me. Uh, I ended up taking my (laughs) mum. I did
2: (laughs) did mention, I would have went, I haven't seen the film. (laughs) Well,
1: she she posted on the Friday night, oh, I'll go with you, you know. I forget the mods is from the 60s era. So I'm like, what do you know about the mods? And she Well, oh, I used to be into that, you know. Oh, right, okay, yeah, I forget. <laughs> and um, the best thing is on the Monday, you know, after I've bought the tickets, and I've wrote to us so I bought the tickets, she goes, What tickets? It ends up she'd been out to the pub and she can't remember agreeing to go with me. <laughs> 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 so I ended, I ended up dragging her to this um night. All right. Um it was. Good, but not. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, When they say the movie's played through, played on the big screen, right? They played through it twice on the big screen, but they didn't play it with sound. It was just. Broadcast onto from a big projector onto a screen mm. um, as they were playing music and DJ, you know, the DJ was playing music. Okay, right. Um, so it was a, you know, I would have, I would have liked to have watched the movie in a crowd and been cheering along with them and what have you, you know, fans of the film. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. that didn't happen. That's right?
2: what I, that's what I pictured in my head would have mm. been
1: happening. Yeah, well, that's how it's, that's how it's described. That's how you, yeah. how you would think it was going to be. Um, now. Quadrophini, you would expect them to be playing... There's two... In me, there's two eras of mods. There's the original 60s mod, you know, with the suits and what have you. All uh, right, And then there was the 70s revival. After Quadrophini came out, you got the 70s revival mods, which were the... It sort of stemmed from the skinheads and what have you, yeah. that were into the, um, you know, the, the Ralph Lauren shirts and uh, braces and what have you, and the, more of the yeah. ska music. And... The the DJ he wasn't playing any of the sixties mod music. All he was playing was old school reggae and ska, mm-hmm. right? So he was obviously playing more for these seventies revivals rather than my mum's original generation mod era, okay. right? And it was okay, but every time it's a song come on that I recognise, I'm thinking, no, oh, I prefer the UB40's version or you know, Madness <laughs> did this. Madness did a better version of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it it, it wasn't great. But the live band, when they came on, they were absolutely brilliant. They hit the nail on the head for the sort of music they should be playing. Okay. You know, they played some of the more modern stuff. They played some of the jam and madness and stuff like that. Right. They were also playing songs from the soundtrack. They was doing stuff from the 60s, um, the Yardbirds, the Animals, stuff like that. And they were really, really good. A bit of a heavier edge to the actual 60s songs. And, you know, loved it to bit. Yeah. Loved it to bits. But, yeah, th- that was the... You know, the DJ was disappointing. The big screen showing of the film was disappointing. I'd have probably still gone if I knew what I was getting, but, um, yeah, yeah, I was expecting more. uh, But I did get absolutely wrecked. (laughs) 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 Didn't realise how drunk I was till I got home. (laughs) Wow. It's my mum's influence. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's
2: where the blame is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, What about you, in. Jordan, basically, the month we had off was probably the best thing for me because I've been nothing but shot up work myself. Um, yeah, and my first trip down to London, you know, I was speaking to you, Darren, about you've been to London, where's the best place to go, and stuff like that. Yeah, anyway, the idea we going out to London was to pitch this idea of work to this company. Um, in the end of the day, they ended up paying for the hotel, which wasn't bad. Um, Spend the weekend down in the, the business district where it was the weekend Saturday, Sunday, so everywhere was closed. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. I had to walk forty minutes just to find a um you know, like a coffee house or a Costa of coffee or something like that, just to oh, sit down and speak to people, which was a bit but at the end of the day, you know, they they were paying for the trip and we pitched the work on Sunday morning whilst everyone was off. I turn up, you know, take my shirt, take my pants, try and look the business, try and go into this pitch like Dragon's Den. Yeah. And then realise I forgot my shoes, which <laughs> wasn't <laughs> the best thing. So, the emergency techs, had have to go around, I have to come back to a pair of shoes, which wasn't the best idea. But <laughs> um, other than that, I spent the weekend down there uh, ordering room service and sitting around in my complimentary bathrobe and comfort slippers, <laughs> which <laughs> was... <laughs> probably the highlight of my weekend really I wasn't bothered that I got the job which was a good bit of news found out a couple of days after but I just always wanted you know, to go to a hotel and get that complimentary bathrobe and your comfy slippers <laughs>
1: you know you're supposed <laughs> to leave them behind
2: yeah well I'm probably with so pay to stuff like that they're scrumping for cars <laughs> yeah suck the bed I Yeah, so as I say, um, I ended up getting that contract, which is like an 18-month contract for design, so I was made up with that, so over this weekend, I've decided to treat myself and upgrade the car, so that's my big news over the past month, is being lazy and sitting around in a bathrobe. Fantastic, I'm buying a car. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, you know, uh, it's been, what, like three years since I started doing this design work, and... This is my first big contract I've got, you know, so... <laughs> Finally,
0: somebody's paying you for it. Yeah. <laughs> when you say <laughs> well, design been...
2: work, it's not like graffiti or anything, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not gonna... <laughs> I am from the people who don't go around spray painting stuff all over the walls or not like that. Um, it's working for Unilever, a lot of the company who, who design links and a few other things yeah, like sure. that. It's all corporate, but you know what I mean? It, you know, at the end of the day, it's paying it's, it's me, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Indeed. I'd rather complain about having boring work than no work at all. So
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, you know, if you listen to this, the work's extremely fun. It's not boring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Understood.
2: But yeah, that's my month and, you know, we're back on it now, aren't we? And we've got this and we've got two weeks now till we do the beginning. Yeah. And then we've got Dimension Jump to look forward to having me. Indeed we have, yeah. Which would be my first one. Mm. We'll look after you. Yeah. Oh, so if it's anything like them um, podcast meetups then I think we'll all be looking after each other at the end of the night nothing um, like don't forget I've got kids
1: with me yeah
2: oh uh, yeah <laughs> well just me and you Darren and, yeah. and you Darren, to look after us
1: <laughs> I bet I'm not even allowed to sit in the bar with them so I'll be sat just outside the bar in like the hotel corridor
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little quick wave at yeah <laughs>
0: this week's podcast of the week is as we mentioned earlier the rebel force radio podcast which over to you anthony
1: yeah rebel force radio um it can be found at www.rebelforceradio.com now way way back i recommended the Forcecast yeah. as the best place for all things star wars um well, I noticed at the end of February that I hadn't had a single episode delivered to the feed since before Christmas. So I thought, oh, there must be a problem with the feed. So I went on to iTunes and checked it out. And there'd not been one released. Checked the website. There'd not been one released. Okay. Uh, and then eventually one came through. I think this was early March. One came through. And it's all of a sudden, it's it's different hosts. It's a totally different show. And Jimmy Mack and Jason Swank, Swank, the two hosts, uh, were not to be heard okay so i did a bit of online investigation um and i found um that uh, they've left left the force cast in december sounds like they left in a bit of a rush and left things you know things were in the air a bit with the forecast, which is why it took a while for them to get an episode out yeah but i really you know for me it's jimmy Mack and jason swank that make up that made up the forecast, yeah okay. and so um a bit more digging and i find out that they've set up a new podcast which is obviously rebel force radio right okay now i've given them both a listen to and um to be honest with you like i said it's jason and jimmy that made the force cast and so their departure to this new venture that they've started means that i will be switching to Right, it's for me. It's they are the definitive spot. Wherever they are, is a definitive place to find all your latest Star Wars news. Now, Mm -hmm. at this moment in time, you've got Star Wars story after Star Wars story breaking Mm -hmm. every few hours on the web, and basically, it's it's that oversaturated with rumor that I'm ignoring everything. Yeah. And so I am actually missing some important announcement stuff because my eyes are just skipping over it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All
1: uh, right. Their show gives you any relevant rumours along with official news, you know within a week of it happening Um, they offer insights into things that nobody else seems to think of Um, I think one of the best examples is Star Wars um, 7, 8 and 9 news now months and months before Lucasfilm had bought Disney um, Kathleen Kennedy had joined Lucasfilm and straight away they came on and said for her to be joining Lucasfilm from her own production company leaving that behind, joining Lucasfilm there's got to be something big on the horizon Mm -hmm. and even way back then they went as far as speculating on um, episodes seven eight and nine and here we are six months later disney's buying lucasfilm kathleen kennedy's running it episodes seven eight and nine are coming out and like i say they were talking about it back in march last year i think it was
2: Right. Oh, wow. um, yeah.
1: so yeah they really they they know this stuff they know they've had the sources they know where to keep out you know keep an eye out right on top of the the best news they've also got lots of little fun features that they've always done on the forecast and they've taken them with them and carried them on on this new show okay. so you've got their billy d quote of the week where they'll get a quote from Billy D from a TV show, or it might be a song or something, some movie has appeared in, and they play, they have a bit of a laugh with the Billy D quote of the week because that guy knows how to deliver lines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got uh, Star Wars in popular culture, which is Star Wars related news stories, comedy, you know. It, Sorry, Star Wars in popular culture, which are references within popular shows, be it Big Bang Theory stuff like that. Mm. Um, you have funny Star Wars-related news stories. You know some of the more comedy ones. They have lots of guests on that are from Lucasfilm themselves. Okay. Um, they have a regular is the writer and director of Fanboys. Um, he's a regular guest. Uh, half of the Clone Wars cartoon voice actors appear as um, guests. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, just in general, as hosts, they sound so professional. You know, um, I think um, I think they work professionally in radio anyway. I think Jimmy Mack does certainly, right? Okay. And um, it, it, the show it even gets a, a broadcast in Chicago on regular radio. Oh, um, right. I think it, is. if I remember rightly, I'm sure it is. Um, but yeah, it really is. It's your one stop shop for anything to do with Star Wars, and I just wanted to do my little bit to let people know about Rebel Force Radio because, for obvious reasons, Forcecast haven't promoted the fact that they have moved on and have now got this new venture. Yeah. So anybody that does listen or has listened and is wondering what happened to Jimmy and Jason, they are on another show now. If you want your old Forcecast back, basically it's now Rebel Force Radio you want to look into. Anybody else that's listening at Star Wars Podcasts, um you know, Rebel Force Radio is the place to be f- with regards news and current events and what have you. So, yeah, that's it. Rebel Force Radio. Excellent.
2: Yep.
0: Right, well, that's it for this week. We will be back in two weeks' time with the beginning. If you do want to get us in any comments for us to read out, feel free to drop those to the email, uh, which is scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com or stick it on the Facebook site, or, if you can do it in 140 characters, send it on Twitter to Red Dwarf Forum. Feel free to leave us an iTunes review because uh, thank you very much for this time around. So, until then, goodbye. Bye. See you.